Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Something to note, all myths have many variations. Our version of the Krampus story contains characters from both Austrian and Bavarian folklore. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The icy wind stung the old man's cheeks as he squinted to try and make out the way forward. The deep blue dusk hung all around him, fog muffling his view in every direction. For any other man, this would spell certain doom. But for this particular old man, it was just a minor inconvenience. The cold was acute but not a single fleck of frost dampened his white robe. The staff he carried in his hands parted the wind in front of him, allowing him to walk forward, where others would be blown off the steep slopes into the chasm below. The saint was on a mission, one he undertook every year, with angels hovering invisibly beside him, he feared nothing from the bitterly cold weather. He would soon find what he was looking for. Finally, he heard it. The sound of a nearby brawl, animalistic, yet so familiar to these wizened ears. He approached quietly, peering through the fog, a dark mass of writhing bodies faded into existence ahead of him. There was a scuffle going on in front of a cave. A Rempler. Be still. As the old man called out, the mass of bodies disentangled themselves, separating into individual hairy creatures, wet with snow and blood. Each monster bowed their horned heads as the saint passed them. The time is come. Which of you will join me for our Yule journey? The old man searched the cave. 
yellow, cat-like eyes stared at him from all around, their owners clinging to the shadows hungrily. All desired to stand by his side, but none dared to speak up and risk offending Saint Nicholas. Finally, the saint's gaze settled on one of the creatures. He pointed his staff at it. The others parted, muttering to themselves. You. Me, Saint Nicholas? Yes, you. You shall be my Krampus this year. Are you ready? I will be honored to serve you. Show me where the wicked children are, and I will chastise them accordingly. Remember, hope for good in all children. Only punish those who deserve it. Yes, master. True to the good old ways. St. Nicholas turned and went back into the mountains, his new companion trailing faithfully behind him, wringing its claw-like hands in anticipation. Krampusnacht was about to begin. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're telling the story of Krampus, a holiday demon from Germanic folklore known for punishing naughty children around Christmas time. There's no folktale as closely associated with the Christmas season as Santa Claus, or Saint Nicholas, as he's called in older stories. Based on an early Christian martyr, he visits children on Christmas and gives them candy and treats to reward them for being good all year. But in some versions of this story, he has a companion he brings along. That companion is a Krampus, Half goat, half man, this demonic creature lurks in St. Nicholas's shadow, holding a switch in its hand. If St. Nicholas represents the joy of rewarding a child on Christmas, Krampus represents a child's fear of punishment. For if a child is not good, does not recite their scriptures properly, or disobeys their parents, Krampus beats them with the switch. And in some versions of the myth, what he does to misbehaving children is far, far worse. Its origins stretch back to pre-Christian Alpine tradition. Most stories of Krampus are believed to have started in Austria and Bavaria long before the formation of Germany as a country. And as Christianity spread, this primal demon became an assistant to Saint Nicholas, helping punish misbehaving children that he was too kind to harm. 
For early Austrian and Bavarian culture, December was a time of ghouls, goblins, and spirits. Saint Nicholas was a shining star in the center of a cold and haunting season. A season that was less like a Hallmark movie and more like a horror film. Liesel was always awake before anyone else. It was a special skill that she hoped she would never lose. She loved how quiet everything was in the soft morning light. She crept down from her loft barefoot and peered out the window of their cottage. A light layer of frost coated the browning grass. She pouted, wishing the snow would just fall already. It was only November, but she was eager to see winter arrive properly. Unlike most of the other children, Liesel loved winter, sitting around a fireplace listening to her mother Gabriela tell chilling stories was one of her favorite things to do all year. She shook off her disappointment and slipped into the adjoining room. She only had a little time before Ernst, her father, rose. Liesel didn't dare breathe as she tiptoed into the pantry. Her father was a popular merchant, selling strange goods from all over the world to their fellow villagers, and he always kept some of his sweetest treats in this room. Liesel found a package in the corner and opened it. In it were a number of gooey squares coated with sugar, a dessert from the southeast, though Liesel didn't know its name. She took one and popped it into her mouth, delighting as she chewed. Liesel jumped at the sound of shuffling boots. Her father had awakened. As fast as she could, she wrapped up the candy and placed it back where she found it. Liesel? What... what are you doing in here at this hour? Just checking to make sure no, um, rats have gotten into the pantry overnight. Rats, you say? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Rats. Big ones. You were not digging through my bags looking for sweets, were you? Of course not, Father. I would not spoil myself so. Very well. Go help your mother make breakfast. (sighs) I have to prepare for work. Liesel was out of the pantry the second her father dismissed her. She ducked around the corner and looked to her fingers. They were still coated in powdered sugar. She licked them until they were clean. Then she ducked into the kitchen to join her mother. Good morning, mother. Good morning, Liesel. Do you know what day it is? I I think so, mother. Is it a saint's day? There are so many of them, it's hard to keep track. (laughs) Almost. It's St. Martin's Eve, and you know what that means. Pelt's marital visits tonight? That's right. So remember, be very good and do not accept gifts from strangers. Of course, Mother, I know that. I know you do. And you mustn't steal from your father's pantry. What? I would do no such thing, Mother. Don't worry, I won't tell Father. It'll be our little secret. Now, let us make breakfast, shall we? I doubt those candies were very filling. Gabriela leaned down and wiped a glob of jelly from the corner of Liesel's mouth. 
Liesel looked to her feet, ashamed. Gabriela kissed her daughter on the forehead, and the two of them set about getting ready for the day. Liesel's heart pounded with excitement. She almost forgot that every year the winter season came early. Every year, Peltzmertel visited on St. Martin's Eve to bring some early treats, such as nuts and berries, far in advance of St. Nicholas. Liesel had always wanted to see even one of the many mysterious beings that visited in the cold months, but she never had. She could get up earlier than anyone, but staying up late was a skill she had yet to master. Yet Liesel was nothing if not determined. When her parents returned to their room, she crouched under her covers, pinching herself to keep from falling asleep. As soon as her father's snores reverberated through the walls, she got up and made her way to the nearest window. Outside, it was cold and dark. A few lanterns glowed on the main road, but the houses behind them looked like large, imposing shadows. Their pointed roofs looked like a series of witches' hats. Suddenly, she saw a figure stirring in the darkness. Liesel strapped on her heaviest winter boots and wrapped a coat tightly around her shoulders. It was Peltzmertel, she was certain of it. Tucking a small sack into her pocket, she opened her window and slid out. The frost-covered grass crunched beneath her feet as she crept toward the figure, trying to be as still as possible. Peltzmertel was lumbering, like he was dizzy, tendrils trailing off of his arms in strange angles. His hair, maybe? Or did he have tails? She could not tell. But just as she expected, she found something on the ground in his wake, a small pouch. She undid the string and opened it, revealing a small cluster of chestnuts. She was delighted. Peltzmertel was real. She looked up to follow him and found him looming over her. Peltzmertel was more terrifying than Liesel had imagined. He was a tall man, draped in ragged scraps of fur, with a branch clasped in both hands. With a grin and a snarl, he swung the branch at Liesel. Liesel ducked out of the way of the monster and dodged around him. Her heart was racing. In the darkness, she could barely tell where the town was at all, much less her own house. There was only her and the creature that wanted to beat her. She chided herself for not paying attention to the stories. It was true that Peltzmertel dropped treats, but he always beat children who tried to take them from him. She had to conquer her fear. Perhaps she thought she could even make it a game. Come, come, Peltzmertel! You can't catch me! Peltzmertel surged after her, but she nimbly dodged out of his way. As her eyes adjusted to the gloom, she saw a series of new pouches he left in his wake. She scooped those up as well and giggled with delight. After what felt like an hour of dodging and evading Peltzmertel, 
the monster grumbled and turned back to go on its way. He must have finally realized that catching this elusive girl was a lost cause. Recognizing the game to be over, Liesel turned and followed her own tracks back home. She snuck back into her room and unloaded her haul. Each bag was full of nuts or berries. She was practically shaking with excitement. This was going to be the best winter ever. Up next, December draws in, and Liesel learns that Peltzmertel is far from the most horrifying creature to arrive during the holiday season. Now, back to the story. The figure Liesel confronted during the night, Peltzmertel, is a real person in Bavarian folklore. Supposedly, he wanders through villages on St. Martin's Eve, November 11th, leaving treats as bait to lure children. His name is a combination of two words, Peltz, meaning to beat, and Martel, a version of Martin. An archaic character, belief in Peltzmertel largely died out by the 20th century, but since 1972 has been taken up again as an annual tradition. And like the character of Liesel in our story, many children cannot resist the lure of free delicacies. The first snow of the year came not long after Liesel's confrontation with Peltzmertel. The brown, dead landscape was coated in a layer of white. To Liesel, they looked like puffy clouds. And as the nights started coming earlier, Liesel begged her mother to begin her yearly holiday stories. Finally, her mother relented. Liesel invited some of her friends over, and they gathered by the fireplace, listening intently to Gabriela's stories. You have heard of old St. Nicholas, have you not? Yes, we have! Well, the story I am about to tell you is one of his most famous exploits. Now, there were once two children. A boy and a girl! Yes, Liesel, a boy and a girl. It was during a time of great famine, and neither of them had parents. So, they went to a local butcher for help. But the butcher was not a good man. He... Do you want to tell the story, Liesel? Sorry, Mother. The butcher's business is going badly due to the famine. So he cuts the children up into little pieces and puts them in his shop. He plans on selling their remains as pork. <gasps> but St. Nicholas paid the butcher a visit. And when he saw the chopped up children, he knew this was not pig's meat. He put all the children's pieces into a barrel, and poof, they emerged whole again. The children were delighted at Gabriela's tale. It was just the right mixture of dark and heartwarming for the cold, snowy night. But as the other kids went home to their parents, Liesel hung behind, watching the shadows play across her mother's face. Mother? Yes, dear? You didn't tell us the story of Krampus. I didn't want to frighten your friends, dear. Oh, some other night, okay? 
We still have about a week until Krampus knocked. Okay. Now, go get ready for bed. Liesel skipped off toward her loft. Gabriela stayed by the fire, sighing to herself. There were some stories she was not quite ready to tell her daughter, and Krampus was one of them. Even the thought of the goat-like creature gave her a shivering chill, even as she sat by the fire. A moment later, she was joined by Ernst, who gave her a cup of mulled wine to drink. The two of them sat together for a moment. Her husband's presence comforted her, but like the fire, it did nothing to banish the piercing feeling in the corner of her heart. How are you feeling? Tired. I know how you feel about Krampusnacht. If you want, we can talk about it. We have talked about it. I do not have anything more to add. Even so, it is a horrifying thing to happen to a child. I understand if you do not want your daughter exposed to such sorrow. No child is perfect. I... Every year, I, I hope she's been good enough to escape, to be free, to... But every year, I have more cause for worry. She is a good child, Gabriela. Even good children can make bad choices. Of course, Liesel already knew the story of Krampus, but it was one thing to hear a story, and it was an entirely different thing to hear the story told by her mother. Somehow, if Gabriela told the story to Liesel, Liesel would find it comforting, but the fact that she avoided talking about it at all made Liesel scared. What was it about the Krampus story that kept her mother so tight-lipped? The days rolled by, and Krampusnacht grew ever closer. Liesel overheard some of the local boys talking about dressing up in furs and going partying. Liesel, on the other hand, felt no cause for celebration. She felt the holiday approaching with a sense of dread. She comforted herself by stealing more sweets from her father's pantry, not enough to be noticed, but enough to calm her worried mind. At least, that's what she hoped. In reality, the sugar only made her more anxious. Until finally, Krampusnacht arrived. The boys of the village took to the streets wearing old carpets and strange, grotesque masks called larvin. During the festival, they took part in a Krampuslauf, or Krampus run, to honor the demon of Yule. Liesel found their masks extremely disturbing, even though she knew there were only drunk boys beneath them. She looked up at the Alps looming above their small village. Somewhere deep among those sharp, frosty peaks lived the real creature they called Krampus. She wondered if he even knew the townsfolk spent the day celebrating him. Gabriela guided Liesel through the market that afternoon, telling her what to be wary of as soon as the sun falls. If you see Krampus at the door, what do you do? I answer as politely as possible. Remember, St. Nicholas is not far behind. 
Sometimes he visits good children just to make sure they have memorized their scriptures. Yes, mother, I remember. Though her mother's fussing usually annoyed her, Gabriela's Krampusnacht warnings made Liesel uneasy. Was she really in danger? She had not done anything particularly mean this year. She had been nice to the other children, always done her chores on time, and... Liesel almost gasped out loud. Somehow, it had not occurred to her that sneaking out late at night and stealing Turkish candy from her father's stores would be considered misbehaving. Would Krampus beat her with his switch for such small dalliances? She went to bed early that night as her mother was weaving by the fire. She caught her mother's eyes as she went up the stairs. Something in Gabriela's stare told her that she would not be tucking Liesel into bed tonight. Liesel did not sleep a wink. She stared at the ceiling, watching the shadows of the lightly falling snow dance across the wood. Sometimes she thought she saw one of them turn into a claw and would duck under her covers until it was gone. Then midnight came. The wind rattled the windows of her small loft. Liesel clutched onto her sheets until she could feel the fabric imprinting onto her hands. It was just a sudden gust coming down from the Alps. That's it. That's all. Her reassuring thought was followed by a second, far more terrifying one. A sudden gust bringing Krampus to my door. The wind stopped. The quiet it left in its wake was even worse. Liesel could hear everything in their home. She could hear the thing approach. Heavy steps crunching against the fresh snow. Then a slow and treacherous knock at the door. She wished she could just stay in bed. Maybe it would stop knocking and leave her be, but something deep within her knew. If she refused to answer the door on Krampus knocked, she would be doomed to suffer the most dreadful punishment the demon could think of. Trembling, she rose and crept down the stairs. She passed her mother's half-finished weaving and arrived at the door. It had never seemed so large before. She took a deep breath and turned the icy knob. Standing before her was an old man in a pure white robe. He was dressed like a bishop with a peaked cap upon his head and a curved staff in his hands. A large ledger was in his spare hand. In spite of her fear, Liesel felt a spark of hope. This was St. Nicholas. But then she saw the figure behind him. It stood taller than a man, but was stooped over to allow its head through the door. It was covered in coarse and knotted black hair. Horns protruded from its head, and its legs were bent backwards like a goat. One of its feet was a hoof, the other was bare and remarkably human. It stepped forward 
and Liesel stumbled back, allowing the beast to fill their meager home. It grinned down at her. In one hand was a sack, and in the other was a switch. St. Nicholas held out a hand, staying the beast. God's greetings all within this house. I'm friend to all, St. Nicholas. Have no fear, just look at me. No wild stranger here, you see. Deeds good and bad we must review. With ringing bells comes Krampus, too. What brings him joy brings terror to you. Greetings, St. Nicholas. I am Liesel. That I assumed. Have you done nothing but good deeds this year? I believe so, St. Nicholas. Oh, this one sounds uncertain. Be silent, Krampus. We will judge her fairly. St. Nicholas opened his book and read aloud everything Liesel had done that year. Good things, bad things, things she regretted, and things she had forgotten about. It was all there, written down in black ink. With every bad entry, Krampus let out a short, monstrous cackle. Liesel's mind was blank with fright. She could barely pay attention to the saint's reading. She just stared at this horrible monster that filled her doorway beside the saint. It stared back, yellow eyes glowing in the dark. Well, well. I am sure my decision is obvious. It... it is? I am sorry, my dear. Stealing is no laughing matter. Do you know the Ten Commandments? Um, yes. Then you know that one of them is thou shalt not steal. Saint Nicholas removed a piece of coal from his pocket and placed it by the fireplace. Liesel's heart sank. She knew what that meant. It was a sign that he was giving her over to Krampus. Krampus dragged his sack forward and pulled the neck of the bag open. Liesel stared in. It was full of children. Some she knew, others she did not. They stared, pleading towards her, as if she had any power to save them from their current predicament. Krampus gave her a shove, and she fell into the sack. With a pull of the drawstring, all light vanished. Coming up, Liesel's parents learn what became of her and decide how to rescue her from the clutches of the Christmas demon. Now back to the story. There are many misconceptions about the character of Krampus, particularly in modern pop culture. One of these is that Krampus is an evil Santa Claus who visits on his own. While he does have his own holiday, Krampus is a companion to St. Nicholas, not a rival or enemy. A demonic embodiment of the dated parenting axiom, spare the rod and spoil the child. 
Another common misconception about Krampus is its origins. In recent years, many contemporary versions of the character are depicted as the son of Hel, the Norse goddess of the underworld. This mythological backstory even made its way to articles in National Geographic and the Smithsonian Magazine. However, it has nothing to do with the folktale that inspired Krampus. It is in fact a creation of American fantasy author Brahm in his 2012 novel Krampus the Yule Lord. Despite the misconception, one thing everyone can agree on is Krampus's punishments. Some naughty children get away with just a few quick lashes from his switch, but others get thrown into his sack and taken away to a far more sinister fate. In our story, Liesel, for the innocuous crime of stealing candy from her father, has herself been stolen. Gabriela knew something was wrong the moment she opened her eyes. The house was still. It felt like an empty stomach somehow, as if it was missing something essential. Then she realized with a shock what it was. Liesel, her daughter should be running around the kitchen by now, but there was no sound of tiny footsteps, no laughter or requests for breakfast. Gabriela ran to her daughter's loft. It was empty. Ernst, wake up! Oh, what is it? What's wrong? Liesel is gone! What do you mean, gone? I've, I've searched the whole house. She's nowhere to be found. Calm down. She probably is just outside playing in the snow with her friends. We mustn't overreact, unless there's good reason to. Ernst stopped talking when he saw the lump of coal by the fire. Gabriela followed her husband's gaze. When she saw what he was looking at, she started to weep. The coal could only mean one thing. She had been taken by Krampus. What could her beloved daughter have done to deserve this? Gabriela found herself thinking back to her own encounter with Krampus all those years ago. She had seen the inside of Krampus's sack. She had seen the guilty faces of disobedient children staring back at her. She had been moments away from being cast in there herself when St. Nicholas had interceded. Why had he not done so for her little girl? She would not let this be the end. She could not. I am going after them. What? What do you mean? I am going to find my daughter. She was taken by Krampus, and she will become his Christmas dinner. I won't let that happen. Surely, we should call a town hall. Or get some help. No, it would take too long. Time is of the essence. Please, Gabriela. How could we possibly find such a beast? Because I know him. Ever since Krampus knocked all those years ago, I have had dreams. And in those dreams, I see a hundred creatures like him, crouched around a fire. I see his lair. I can find it. You just have to put your faith in me. I believe you. You have always had a stronger connection to the magical world than I. And I know I couldn't stop you, even if I tried. 
Gabriela gathered supplies all day. She was determined to leave as soon as possible. It was only a fortnight until Christmas. She worried that her daughter would become a meal of the Krampus as soon as the 12 days of Christmas, or Raunecta, began. Her half-finished weaving, a tribute to St. Lucy, hung unnoticed by the fireplace. Gabriela stepped toward the door. The pack on her back was laden with as much food and warm clothing as she could carry. Liesel would need them once she was rescued. She went to the door and took a deep breath. But suddenly, a hand tapped her shoulder. You would not leave without saying goodbye. I'm sorry. I have so much on my mind, and I know you have your shop to run. You do not need to apologize. I just thought you should take this. Give it to Liesel when you see her. Ernst pressed a small package into Gabriela's hands. It contained 12 squares of Turkish delight. Gabriela felt tears of affection well up in her eyes. She gave her husband a kiss and turned back to the open doorway. He believed she would be able to return their daughter to them. She would not let him down. Ernst sat by the fire every night, waiting for his wife to return. He believed in Krampus and the other holiday stories, but had never seen them with his own eyes. In all his travels abroad as a merchant, he never saw anything as strange as the holiday demons Gabriela described to him. He fell asleep by the fire on the night of December 13th. Moments later, a furious shriek woke him. Standing by the fireplace was a grotesque hag, face sagging and hair poking out in all directions. It was a figure right out of his wife's stories, ugly Saint Lucy herself. In her right hand was a sickle, dull with rust, but clearly still sharp. In her left was an empty wooden bowl. She stared at Gabriela's unfinished weaving, her already ugly face contorting with a displeased grimace. She cried out in disgust, A bowl full of blood, a bowl full of guts. St. Lucy, I beg your forgiveness. My wife, she was distracted, but she meant to finish it. You see, our daughter... I do not abide excuses, young man. Your family will not receive my blessing. With another bone-chilling cry, St. Lucy kicked the weaving to the ground and stomped on it, grinding the fibers into the floor with her heel. Ernst stared in horror as his wife's work was destroyed before his eyes. The door burst open and a flurry of snow spun into the house. The fire was extinguished immediately, plunging the house into darkness. When Ernst finally was able to shut the door and light lanterns around the house, St. Lucy was gone. But the destroyed weaving was still in front of the damp fireplace. A chill crept up Ernst's spine. He recalled the stories his wife told him. If all of them were real, 
Krampus, St. Lucy, and the rest, who knows what sort of gruesome monster she would face going into the Alps. But she was out of his hands. All Ernst could do now was pray. Far up the sides of the mountain, Gabriela fought against the icy wind. The weather was harsh, but it had not removed Krampus's tracks entirely. His distinctive footprints, one hoof, one foot, was enough to get her started, and his acrid stench hung on the trees around them. She would never forget that smell as long as she lived. It would guide her to the monster's lair. She whispered a winter prayer to herself. Then she caught a glimpse of something among the trees. For the briefest of moments, it looked like a man, a tall man, drenched in blood, carrying a similarly gory hammer. Bloody Thomas. That was not possible. Bloody Thomas should not appear until St. Thomas's day. Gabriela picked up her pace. If she did not move quickly, she would fall victim to one of the many awful spirits that haunted these mountains on the days after Christmas. She did not want to be caught out in the open when the Rownecta began. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with part two of Krampus. Next week, Gabriela continues her quest to free her daughter from Krampus and encounters even more horrific holiday ghouls on her path. For more information on Krampus, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas Roots and Rebirth of the Folkloric Devil by Al Reidenauer, extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Joel Stein. This episode of Mythology was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Drew Cole. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Mike Capozzi, Susanna Corrington, and Kathleen Nielsen. I'm Vanessa Richardson.